Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. On today's episode, we break down Michigan's 2022 recruiting class and recap all the fireworks that happened for the Wolverines on early signing day. And to help do that, we have a special guest on today. Welcome, Bryce Marich of the Michigan Insider. Hey, man. I uh, appreciate you guys having me on. I'm, I did this last year, so it's a little different, though, compared to last year how it went. So it's a good start off for Michigan. Yeah, I mean, let's get right into it. I mean, Michigan added five new recruits on Wednesday alone, including three top 150 prospects. I mean, they currently have a a top 10 class, which, I mean, a few months ago, it seemed like a pipe dream. What was your reaction to to Michigan's early signing day haul? You know what? It kind of went as expected for me covering recruiting. I mean, I had crystal balls in for some of these guys to flip. I had for some of these guys who are on, you know, decided to verbally committed and signed with Michigan. And then, you know, other than that, I mean, for some people, maybe some of these were surprises, but overall, um, I think Michigan, what they expected to happen, happened. And uh, for the fans, I mean, like you said, it was plenty of fireworks. So it was, you can't ask for a better, you know, formula and recipe that happened there for Michigan yesterday. I mean, like I said, top 10 class, filled a lot of needs with a lot of elite guys. And that's all you can ask for. Ryan, we've talked about this too. Like you, the Michigan obviously overhauled their new staff this year. We didn't really know what we were going to see on the field, especially defensively, just from a scheme perspective. Obviously, their changes, but their success in the field, I, I think, had a big impact on what they're able to do and, and some of the caliber of, the, of these players they're able to bring in, especially later on. You mentioned the new guys, and it's like it seemed like it was like one after another on Wednesday that was just they were just falling in Michigan's place. And I think that's a direct result of obviously the relationships that the coaches were able to develop with these guys, but the, the results on the field too. Yeah. I mean, you look at a guy like Amarion Walker from down there in Louisiana, who's Right now, he's rated as a three-star, um, was verbally committed to Notre Dame for most of the process. And this was a situation where Michigan was there persistent throughout the recruitment. And things went right. A lot of these recruitments you saw happen on Wednesday just went Michigan's way for a number of reasons. One, all the coaching changes. You know, So with his case, you saw Brian Kelly, his head coach or former head coach, take off to LSU. Whereas Michigan at the time when he was looking at them, they're two and four, not a lot of stability, a lot of coaching changes happening. You weren't sure of the future of Michigan. Fast forward several months later, like I said, Notre Dame's got a head coaching change. Michigan's now in the college football playoffs. Jim Harbaugh's probably going to get a new contract. So there's a lot going on there that worked out for them. And that, again, that was the trend with Wednesday. You know, you look at a guy again with – Darius Clements out of Portland, Oregon, you know, four-star wide receiver, same scenario. You know, he was committed, you're silently committed to Oregon, you know, at one point, um, and it was expected he was going to go there, you know, and then another suitor for him was Auburn. Well, both those schools saw coaching changes, whereas Michigan saw the opposite. You know, they saw stability and winning, and he noted that as one of the main reasons why he picked Michigan were those factors. So that played a big role in a lot of these kids' decisions. And, um, you know, they always, the cliche, winning cures all. So, hey, it's amazing, amazing how much can change in a year. I mean, last year, Michigan's trying to fight for 
to keep kids because of all this uncertainty on their staff. And then a year later that they're taking advantage of, of other coaching changes and, and pouncing on prospects that are, are not bottom of the barrel guys either. I mean, three top 150 guys on signing day alone, like that's, that's quite impressive. Two top 100 guys I and mean, two of their three top 100 guys in, in the composite are signed on, on Wednesday or jumped on board on Wednesday. I mean, you, you really couldn't ask for, for much better than that. I mean, obviously Michigan lost out on, on Deion Walker, a top in-state guy, but you would think that maybe Kenneth Grant fills a, kind of fills that similar role too. And I mean, when you're looking at, at a position breakdown, I mean, two quarterbacks, a running back, three receivers, two tight ends, a couple offensive linemen, four defensive linemen, four linebackers, and six defensive backs. I mean, it seems like they, they hit on, on pretty much every position. Well, Ryan, like you said, so you look at safety and the back end, they're probably going to be losing Dax Hill, we assume, mm-hmm. and then Brad Hawkins. Well, what do you do? You break in, you bring in Zeke Barry, a four-star out there from California, who at one point was committed to Arizona, ironically, for Don Brown to play in his defense as the Viper, which I know a lot of Michigan fans probably remember that position in Don Brown. And they kind of viewed him as a Cleek Hudson. If you watch his film, though, he reminds me more of a Jarrell Peppers, where he's a guy that can do more than Cleek could. And again, you watch. Zeke Barry's highlights and you just pop them in. And it's one of those kids highlights where you're just like, wow. You know, you watch the first few plays, you're like, okay, I see what this kid. And he came from Concord de La Salle, a program pretty familiar for Michigan fans where Devin Asiasi attended several years ago. Michigan picked him up. So he's from a rich uh, program out there in uh, California. And like I said, you know, with the DB class, it's just stacked. You know, like I said, we got, Keon Sab, a guy they flipped, or I don't want to say flipped because he was committed to Clemson, but Clemson had Brent Venables leave, you know, and all of a sudden now he's looking around. He took a trip out for the Ohio State game. And again, that's just one of those things where things just happen to fall in place for Michigan, you know, and at the same time, you had schools coming after other guys like Will Johnson, you know, but at the end of the day, they were able to sign these guys get them in the fold, and they have several guys I could see play very early, even possibly as freshmen. Yeah, that's, that's a good point right there. Who are some of those likely candidates to, to possibly see the field early? I could see, like I said, five-star Will Johnson. He's the cornerback, 6'3", 190, rangy guy. He can do a lot. And, you know, it's funny because if you look at Michigan's previous class, they only brought in one corner last cycle so it's not like you know there's a bunch of young guys waiting in the wings or whatever he's got the ability and the potential to come in early I think play he's gonna be a guy that enrolls early as well you know and kind of learn the playbook and he's got familiarity already going through zoom meetings with Ron Bellamy Steve Klingscale and so I think knowing that and his potential and skill set He's got the chances to kind of star as a true freshman. And I kind of see it as a role where you watch Donovan Edwards this year. You know, he was a star, five-star running back coming out of high school. And some people weren't sure what to expect. Kind of took him a while because he was injured early on in his, you know, uh, career here. But then all of a sudden, you see him making plays. You see the Maryland game. You're like, oh, my gosh, where's this guy been? And so now he's starting to flash. I think we're going to see that with Will where maybe he doesn't start, but he's going to come in and make several plays. And you're like, okay, that's what 
a five star is going to five star. That's the coin everyone likes to joke and laugh about. But hey, if you're a five star, you expect those guys to make those type of plays. And I think Will is going to be one of those guys that does that here. We've kind of mentioned all the defensive backs Michigan brought in on Wednesday, six of them in total. And given that we've seen Michigan's coaching staff kind of utilize Dax Hill a little bit differently, put more emphasis on the backfield this past year under Mike McDonald, was Michigan recruiting a different type of defensive back this class compared to maybe previous years, Bryce? Yeah, I think for Michigan, you know, Mike McDonald, with if you followed his recruiting and even the offers they sent out, they're very particular on measurables. And I think with him coming from the NFL, you know, they're very analytics, numbers. They look at that kind of stuff, you know, regardless of talent and stuff, they want it. They have a certain mold, certain fit of what they're looking for, like you said. And so I think with the back end of their defense, especially with Steve Klingscale, you know, if you look at some of the DBs he's produced out of Kentucky, they're the longer, more rangier guys. You know, they're not the shorter guys. And like I said, you look at, again, a guy like Will Johnson. Ryan, you were at his ceremony. He's a pretty big guy. He's 6'3", and he's a legit 6'3", you know? And so interesting thing with him, too, or more impressive thing, I should say, is he's fluid. You know, he can move the hips. That's the big thing is with these corners and sometimes DBs when you're locked up against, let's say, over years past, like a KJ Hamler in the slot. Can these guys match up and cover him one-on-one? You know, and that's the thing. But these guys like Keon Saab, Will Johnson, Zeke Berry, Damani Dent, the list goes on. These guys can match up physically one-on-one, but at the same time, they're not going to be asked to do that in this defense every play. So they're going to be really utilized to the point where I think they're going to shine. You know, Mike McDonald showed the ability to put these guys in the right position, a la Aiden Hutchinson, a la David Ojabo. You know, these are guys that maybe in years past, who knows how they've been used, you know, but in this defense, he goes to their strengths and that's going to be a big play here. So, yeah, I think when you looked at the guys they brought in, it fit a certain mold, a bigger, a longer, stronger, but at the same time, they're still as explosive and they're, they can stick on guys like what on rice. So it's a really impressive group overall. When you're looking at these assistant coaches, I mean, who do you think helped lead the way in helping land this, this type of class? I mean, obviously they had to hit, hit the ground running when they joined the staff because, I mean, obviously Michigan had to play catch up and, and to land a top 10 class, I'm, I'm sure these assistant coaches deserve a, a lot of credit, credit bringing in some of these guys. Yeah, you know, it's funny because a lot of these guys are, I mean, the big thing when you watch Michigan in the offseason was, how are they going to coach? But at the same time, people are like, are they going to be able to recruit just as well? Well, they passed that test with flying colors. I think the guy you got to start off with is Ron Bellamy. You know, I think with him, you're like, okay, he was at West Bloomfield High School. He won a state title. He's done on the high school level, but can he translate that over to the college level? And can he also understand where he's one, he's going to understand where the kids are coming from. Cause he was with the kids, you know, for so many years on the high school level. So he's one relatable and two, he gets the recruiting process. You know, he saw many of his kids like Donovan Edwards and other guys throughout over the years go through the process. So he knows what it takes and what these kids are kind of listening to and what they aren't at the same time and what response with the parents or trainers and what doesn't. And you saw that in the recurring chair, like a guy like Amarion Walker, like we mentioned earlier. 
committed to Notre Dame for so long. But with Ron Bellamy, he's from Louisiana. He actually played for Amarion Walker's head coach down there as well. So he tapped into that tie. He was a kid that, you know what, he's committed, but I'm going to stick with him. We'll see where this goes. Michigan goes 12-1. You know, he sells them on, hey, you got the potential here to not only play DB if you want, but be a wideout. And I think that playing on both sides, that ability, but also, you know, the versatility there showed him a very appealing thing. And he also came up for the Washington game, which was an easy selling point for any kid. You know, they love that atmosphere. They love, obviously, the win. And he saw opportunities well at Michigan. They are selling him as a guy who's 6'4", 170. Not the biggest guy, but, you know, what he's at right now in terms of height, they don't have many guys that fit that mold. You know, and he's like a gazelle in the open field. So he can stretch the field vertically. He's going to be a guy that I think can really excel in this offensive speed and space. But if I had to pick assistant coach, long answer into short, Ron Bellamy would get the MVP for this cycle. Bryce, I'm looking at the state breakdown of all these guys, and it's all over the place. you got three guys from California, the, the most in the class, but then you've got, you know, got a couple guys from Colorado, only a couple guys from Florida. It's really a spread out blueprint here. I mean, in previous years, Michigan was heavily going to the Northeast relying on maybe Georgia and Florida, but it's really a, kind of a cross-country approach. Is that kind of what their plan is going forward? I mean, given the, the new staff and the new, you know, we, we've had changes now the last couple of years in the, in the recruiting department. What is their, I guess, identity or what what is their plan here going forward? Well, start off, it's always going to be locally. They always want to get the top guys and keep them home. You know, we've seen that over the years with Donovan Peoples-Jones to Donovan Edwards to now Will Johnson. That's first, second, and third top priority. That's what they want to do. From there, they want to expand to the Midwest. They want to tap into Illinois. You know, they want to go into Ohio. They want to go in all these Midwest states and kind of lock down the top guys from there. But Michigan's a national brand, you know, Aaron, and they're going to go wherever talent is. And you saw in this cycle, I mean, they went to Idaho. I don't remember the last guy they got from Idaho. So that's one on me, I'm not keeping up on the history there, but they're willing to go anywhere for these kids. And it shows their pull being able to get kids from Tennessee, Alabama, Colorado, Connecticut, Georgia, Idaho, Florida, and the list goes on, you know? So first they want to keep it in state, get the top guys from there. And they want to get the other guys in the Midwest and their region. And from there go to the most fertile recruiting spots California, Texas, Florida, Georgia. And at that point, sprinkling some of the top guys from other states like, a, you know, Idaho potentially or like a Connecticut. But I don't think you're going to see going forward the focus being like the Northwest like it was in previous years. Uh, one thing that stood out to me in this class is, I mean, it, it's crazy to me how to see how many big risers they had. I mean, Colston Loveland, that, that tight end from Idaho, I mean, he, he got a four-star. Jimmy Roller rocketed up the rankings. Mason Graham, Alessandro Lorenzetti, I mean, Tavante Henry, I know he hasn't signed yet, but I mean, have you seen that many prospects rise that much in, in any of the years you've been recruiting at, or covering recruiting at Michigan? No, but I think that stems from kind of a weird year we had with recruiting last cycle with COVID. You know, a lot of these guys, we weren't able to really get on the road to evaluate these kids, nor were the coaches, you know, and some of these kids as well didn't even play a full high school season last year. 
So that affected, you know, kind of where they were in the rankings. And then they weren't also able to make it out to high school camps, seven on seven camps and, you know, other spots where they could be seen and get that exposure. So I think, you know, a big factor for us was, okay, let's see how they do their senior year. Well, a lot of these guys had fabulous senior years. You look at a guy like Deuce Spurlock, okay, who's one of the lowest rated guys in this class, and I don't think he is, but he's a low three-star. Well, here's the thing. This is the most telling tale for me. Our school is still coming after a kid, even after they're committed. The answer was yes with Deuce Spurlock. He had Florida, Auburn, Clemson, and Washington. Till he signed, still calling him and trying to flip him. You know, and a big reason why he had 186 tackles his senior season. It's I mean, insane, man. <laughs> In I told him, I was games. like, yeah, I don't know what the average is, but like that, my gosh, that is a lot of tackles. It's like Madden. Yeah. So I'm like, are you sure? Like, you know, were they just giving you like Westbrook things where they're just letting you get the rebound here? Like, how yeah. did that work with the tackles? But he joked. He's like, no, you know, it's one of those things where I was. I came with that mindset. I wanted to get at least 15 to 20 tackles game. And guess what? He definitely did that. But yeah, I think the big thing too, with the other part of that question is their evaluations. Michigan's always been really good evaluating prospects. And I think with this class, what it showed with the rankings and how they rose so many of them is because they identified them when they were maybe a diamond in the rough, not a big, you know, highly recruited guy. And slowly but surely, you see more offers come in because they're having a great senior season like a Jimmy Rolder or like a Colston Loveland or a Deuce Spurlock, you know? So great job by the staff and recruiting department of seeing these guys, evaluating them, getting on them early and sealing the deal, but also finishing the deal as well. And that's a big thing too, not just getting these guys, but also signing them at the end of the day as well. I think we should also get into what's still to come with in this 2022 class. I mean, obviously there's still the, the regular signing period in February. Mission has two commits that, that did not sign on Wednesday. Uh, Aaron Alexander, three-star linebacker from Belleville, and then Cavante Henry, the, the four-star linebacker from California. Is there a chance that they're not in the class come February? And is there a chance Mission adds some more guys? I know Joshua Connerly has been five-star tackle from Washington. He's been a top target for a while. He plans on signing in, in February. I mean, what could still come here down the pike for, for Michigan in this class? Well, first off, with those two guys you mentioned, um, Aaron Alexander and Kavate Henry, there's always a chance they're not in the class. Anytime you see a kid not sign with the school in the early signing period, it makes you kind of wonder, like, maybe are they rethinking things? What's the deal there? So obviously there's a chance they might not end up in Michigan at the end of the day. And, you know, that'd be unfortunate because they've been on those guys. But at the same time, they brought in several guys, I think, that could fill those roles as well. Um, and like you mentioned, Josh Connerly, the five-star offensive tackle, number one offensive tackle in the country out there in Washington. Michigan's done a really good job, but the competition for him has really heated up with USC not really a factor and suddenly they get Lincoln Riley. And that's the side effect with these coaching changes. Sometimes they work out in your favor like uh, Keon Saab with Brent Venables leaving Clemson. But at the same token, now you got Lincoln Riley recruiting in USC when USC was never really a factor for Connor Lee. And you have Corny Morgan, who's a huge plus at Michigan. He was the director of player personnel here. He leaves for Washington. So now Washington is all of a sudden kind of more of a factor there. 
But at the same time, I really like where Michigan stands. He's a really good relationship with offensive coach, offensive line coach Sharon Moore, um, and Jim Harbaugh as well. He's been extremely impressed as well as his family by the offensive line play this year, which it's hard not to be. And so I think that's a kid they're going to go all the way up to their, you know, late signing period. And they're, that's definitely their top priority, you know, at the end of the day for next signing period, number one is get Josh Connerly. That's what they want to do. And from there, you know, they're going to look at the transfer portal. There's a couple guys that brought up, you know, on campus, they're kind of looking at and maybe filling some immediate roles and, that's the other thing, too, is with high school recruiting, you know, you also got to look at the transfer portal. You saw Michigan State utilize it probably the best of any school in the country, you know, where they didn't have a good season. And next thing you know, they bring in 20 new faces that are coming college-ready physical bodies. And guess what? You know, they can make an impact. So sometimes that's Russian roulette. You don't know how that's going to work out with all guys. You're not going to – every guy is not going to be Kenneth Walker walking in the door, you know. But – if you can hit on a few of those guys, that's key. And so Michigan's saying, okay, after this playoff game, who's going to really be leaving? And at that point, see, okay, what holes can we fill through the transfer portal as well as on the recruiting trail still? So it's going to be interesting, man. It's not going to slow down. But for the most part, they have the majority of this class signed, sealed, and delivered. Bryce, you you followed most, if not all, these recruitments, this class. Who, who do you think was the most interesting from beginning to end? I'm going to go with maybe an obvious one, and some fans might say I'm just taking the easy way or easy way out. Jimmy Rolder. He's a guy, he's 6'2", 220 linebacker out of you know Chicago, Illinois. Interesting with him is no one even knew who he was. We talk about you know being a, some, a no one to someone. That's Jimmy Rolder's story. He was committed to Illinois for most of his recruitment for baseball. He didn't even have offers for football. And then in the fall, he got his mid-season football highlights out, and all of a sudden you saw a flurry of offers coming in. And you saw, you know, Michigan as one of them. And Mike McDonald during the bye week went to watch his game on Friday night. You know, so obviously there was interest there. They got him up on campus for official visit. Next thing you know – they're battling the likes of Ohio, Ohio State. State was there too. Yeah, was yeah, Ohio yeah. State and Florida and Wisconsin and Iowa. And the list goes LSU and the list goes on. And it was every day you check his Twitter. And next thing you see is blessed to receive blah, blah, blah offer. Blessed to receive this offer. And you're like, this kid is blown up. And he went from, again, not even having a profile with <laughs> us to being a four-star. So that's unheard of. But the same time, like where I was going back to just, you know, we weren't able to see all these kids. And at the same time, he was looking at potentially playing baseball, you know? So football wasn't really on his radar. He didn't go to camps. He didn't, that wasn't his thing. He was just a kid that was saying, Hey, I want to play football in high school, go on to play, you know, baseball. Once I get to the college level, next thing you know, he's a four star getting highly recruited. So many phone calls coming in every night. And uh, this was a huge recruiting win for George Hilo, the linebackers coach and defense coordinator, Mike McDonald. But yeah, his story is fascinating to say the least. And I joked with his stepdad because I asked him, I said, well, now that he's going to Michigan, is he going to play baseball? And he said, well, 
you know, playing middle linebacker in the Big Ten, I don't know if his shoulders are ready to swing a bat after so many beatings he might take. And I was like, yeah, you might you might have a pretty good point there. So, no, that's a definitely big win and a, a kid that's a great story as well. It's funny you mentioned that because Jim Harbaugh did this post-signing day interview last night. He was asked about that. He, he said that he's going to push Eric Backage to allow him to play baseball. So we'll see if he's, if he if can, he do, can it. do it, man. <laughs> props to him. I don't think I could, but Hey, props to him. Fantastic. That's a tough thing to do, man. I mean, Michigan's tried to have guys do that in the past and it's just, they'll try for a year or something. And then it's like, man, I, I couldn't imagine trying to play two sports in college and manage like, your schoolwork. And especially yeah. when one's football, when you got spring football and then you got the season. And I mean, it's like a year long thing. So that's, that's a tough thing to do. But I mean, I, th- I think Joey Vlasquez is still, still doing that, but yeah, it, it's, it's a tough thing. Last thing here, or Bryce, I, I want to do your thought on who, who do you think is going to be in, enrolling early? So they're going to have the majority, I wouldn't say majority, but several guys coming in. Will Johnson, the five-star corner, like we spoke of earlier, he will be coming in early. Keon Saab, the four-star safety out of IMG Academy, he's going to be coming in early. Colston Loveland, the four-star out of Idaho, tight end there, he's going to be coming in early. Two quarterbacks they have as well, which is almost like a prerequisite, like if you're going to play quarterback in college, you kind of have to come in right. early. You saw JJ transfer to IMG, and that was one of the big reasons, one, to play, but two, didn't roll early to Michigan. So the two quarterbacks will be coming in early. Most of the DB class will be coming in early as well. I think Darius Clements, he's going to be coming in early as well, the four-star wide receiver out of Portland, Oregon. Um, I think he's really got a chance to – excel right away especially coming in early but 6-3 209 fits the bell ran a laser 437 which is DK Metcalf stuff which is incredible and his size you know and you're just like this kid's gonna be a freak of nature and so I think with him coming in early learning the playbook he could be a guy to watch see the field right away there's going to be a ton of, I mean, as of right now, with, with Ronnie Bell coming back and, and no other seniors in the receiver room, there could be, it could be a crowded, crowded receiver room next season. Yeah. And it's ironic too, because going into signing day, I thought wide receiver is one of the biggest question marks of this right. class. Cause they had Tyler Morris. He's a four-star wide receiver, but he's only 5'10", 175, and he's coming off ACL injury. And you never know how a guy's going to fare coming off ACL injury. And next thing you know, they flip Amarion Walker from Notre Dame, who's 6'4", 175, and runs like a gazelle. And he, I think he had eight catches for 143 yards and a touchdown in the state championship game. So he's a high-level talent. And then you get Darius Clemens, who's a top 247 wide receiver as well, into the mix. And next thing you know, wide receiver is now one of the strengths of this class. So that's how recruiting, man, they always say recruiting is very fluid and it certainly was on sign day for Michigan. Yeah, it's important to note too. Jim Harbaugh compared Darius Clemens and Nico Collins. He compared Dar- Tyler Morris to Roman Wilson. He compared Omar and Walker to Andrew Anthony. So Michigan also got a that. variety yeah. of talent levels and skills in, in their class. So it's it's certainly a, it was an impressive haul for what they ended up doing there. Yeah, and that's the thing too is like you said, two of those guys are on the roster. The one guy, Nico Collins, is not. That's why I'm saying Darius Clements has the chance to come in and play a role that they don't have a guy that, you know, is of that stature as well. So it'll be interesting to see him uh, develop and go from camp and go from there. 
I can't even tell you how many times that Aaron and, and I and Andrew have talked about this year. It's like, man, it doesn't, Michigan doesn't really have a guy that can just go up and, and, and get it. Like Andrew, I think showed that against Michigan state, but it, no one's consistently been able to do that. So I think, yeah, that's definitely a big need in, for Michigan. And, and it sounds like Clemens could, could fill that role before we let you, I feel like we should probably talk about the quarterbacks too, because signing two at, at Michigan is, is very rare and it sounds like they're a little bit of different style type quarterbacks. They're ranked about the same overall, but different styles. What, what are your thoughts on, on Alex Orgy and Jaden Denigal? Yeah, so with Denigal, we'll start off with him. He actually came up to camp for a throwing session. He just flew out the way on an unofficial visit to Michigan, threw in front of the coaching staff there, Matt Wise and Jim Harbaugh, got the offer and immediately jumped on it. 6'4", 220. He's a bigger quarterback. He's got a pretty good arm. I wouldn't say he's the most nimble quarterback, but if he's got to escape the pocket, he's got the capability of doing so. High football IQ. He's a guy that he's not going to be the flashiest quarterback on the field, but he makes winning plays. And he did that for his high school team down in uh, the LA area. So I think he's a guy, though, that's going to take time. He's raw. He's still working on, I think, mechanics and Um, His throwing motion as well is something that people have questioned with him. I think that won't be a huge concern at the college level. They'll fix that. But overall, I think he's a solid pickup where he's a development, developmental piece. You know, he doesn't need to come in right away and start play. And with Orgy, I think what's interesting with him is 6'2", 200 pounds, quarterback down there in the Texas area. And he threw for over 2,000 yards. Ran for 1,200 as well. And with Matt Wise coming in, you've seen some of his fingerprints on this offense because when he was at the Baltimore Ravens, he was the running backs coach. So he worked a lot with the running backs and even sometimes the quarterbacks and their run offense. And I think you're seeing implements of that in the Michigan offense with Blake Corum and J.J. And I think you could see him sprinkled in kind of the way J.J. is for some of those running plays, you know, some of those formations there, he's got the ability to scramble, but as well throw the ball. And he's got a rocket of arm. I think that's one of the things that jumps off with him is his arm is exceptionally strong. He can make every throw in the book and he can throw it, you know, throw a window. I mean, he can laser that thing. So two different quarterbacks, two guys that I think need time, but they can come in, you can develop them, you can work with them. And you're not asking for him to start as well, you know, and with the transfer portal and how this goes, you never know what the quarterback room could look like a year from now. So you want to have more bodies than not as well. Jim Harbaugh marveled at Orgy's running ability this week. So that was something obviously he he saw on tape that he really liked. And, and as we've seen, I mean, Jim has been attracted to those those mobile quarterbacks. I mean, Dan Valari's on the roster for, for just that very reason as well. And obviously that's a different situation, but Jim has shown that he has no problem playing two quarterbacks as we've seen all season long and, and using quarterbacks for their, their mobility. You know, we saw it with Dylan McCaffrey a couple of years ago. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they end up developing and how Jim ends up utilizing, obviously down the line, because right now it's, it's certainly the Cade McNamara and uh, JJ McCarthy show. And they made it clear to both quarterbacks, like, listen, you know, to Denical, we're looking at other quarterbacks too. You know, we want to bring in two quarterbacks, you know, and that's a strategy that, you know, they wanted to go with and going forward, they're going to put all their eggs in the Dante Moore basket, five-star out Detroit, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. High School. 
a stud 6'2", 190, and he's going to be the guy they go all in for. And so people are questioning why take two at this point. Well, you don't know the quarterback situation. And at the same time, if you don't land a Dante Moore, it's better to have someone in the fold than no one in the fold. I mean, look at the two and four season. They're down to their, what, third, fourth string quarterback. So (laughs) it's better to have someone than no one as well. Very true. Very true. Well, well, Bryce, we definitely appreciate you joining us today and providing some insight. And yeah, you can follow him at Bryce Marich on Twitter. If you follow him at, at the Michigan Insider, you know that they, they do great work over there too. So thanks again. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Yeah.